Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. It's your boy, Alberto Mendoza. Today, I got my boy, Jordan Alexander, uh, wedding-based filmmaker and uh, cinematographer. And if you're wondering why we're in a hotel, well, we're actually here to film a wedding, actually. So uh, got here late last night and uh, decided to rip a podcast. And uh, now we're here. We have a few hours left until we have to get ready and film my last wedding for hopefully my filmmaking career. Uh, but Jordan, dude, how are you doing, man? I mean, I'm doing great, dude. I uh, can't complain. It's a beautiful day. I had a little rain earlier, but it's looking like it's going to clear up. And uh, shoot, man, I'm ready to kill it today, dude. So Jordan, dude, uh, for those that are wondering, um, the last time we did a podcast was uh, the old podcast. Talked a little bit about your history and how you came about. But I really want to focus on your wedding filmmaking, um, your thing, man. Like, like you're like the first wedding filmmaker that I think I've interviewed so far. And uh, you're the only one that I know that truly loves doing it too. Yeah. So how, how has that experience been for you? Yeah. Honestly, man, it's great. Like, shooting weddings, a lot of people think is, is stressful. And it can be, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But I like it because you get to hang out with people that are all trying to have a good day, all trying to have good energy. Like, everybody wants a wedding to go smooth. Nobody wants to have a bad day. So a lot of times people are just trying to have fun and everything, and you're there to capture the day. And, uh, you know, at this point, I mean, a little bit of it is systematic. You have your checklist, all the things that you have to do. But, yeah, I think it's it's dope, man. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been filmmaking? Uh, so about seven years. About seven years. I got into weddings about six years ago and uh, been shooting ever since. Nothing's been the same. Yeah. And uh, you do a really good job of doing a lot of associate wedding shooting, which is a most people probably don't even know. Like, you don't necessarily have to book your own weddings to be a wedding filmmaker. You could, if you know the right people, they're going to feed you the wedding gigs. They're going to feed you the jobs where you could literally just show up, you shoot for six to eight hours call it a day. You don't have to worry about editing. And you've been killing that so far. I mean, from what I've seen, every weekend you are filming a damn wedding, whether it's a Saturday, Sunday, or a Friday. Sometimes all three days I've seen on your stories is like, bro, like, how do you do that? And uh, how do you get connected like that? Uh, the biggest thing is really it's, it's networking. So a few years ago, I got involved in like some Facebook groups. And that really was like the, the game changer and the catalyst to booking more associate shooting gigs. And then... Uh, I started doing that and I realized that I actually kind of prefer associate shooting because I can shoot every day, man. Like, I'd love to do this. This is my passion. I always say shooting is so easy. Yeah. Editing is a real work. That's exactly what it is. And so it's like, if I'm trying to, if I have a bunch of projects backlogged, I can't really like enjoy shooting because I just know that I'm adding to my, my pain and suffering later. So associate shooting lets me do what I want to do. I get to, you know, shoot, get in, get out, and then it's on to the next one. And uh, also, it gives you a chance, you know, when you're shooting so often to just kind of, like, refine your skills. You, uh, shooting weddings, you also become, like, a better documentary filmmaker because you're so, it's so running gun that you have to be able to, like, plan for scenarios before they happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to account for situations that, you know, I might be shooting something and audio might peak, so I might have to set my levels or like run 32-bit audio or uh, having portable lighting because you're not going to be able to professionally light everything. But 
I have like a portable lighting kit that, you know, I might be able to run around and take with me little lights, tubes and stuff like that. So weddings itself is like training you to be a good documentary filmmaker as well. Totally agree with that because something I've always thought in my mind is if you master like how to uh, navigate a wedding and how to deal with the stresses because it is a stressful day, not just for yourself, but obviously for like the bride and the people there and whatnot. But like as a vendor, like you want to make sure all your cameras are intact, your audio is intact, the drone's intact and safe and not crashing on anything. Um, so it's very easy to like stress over all that. But like once you do it for a few years, like to me, like you said, it's very systematic. It's very, it's quite simple, honestly. It's not that hard. I've done it so many times that I can do this in my sleep. But I see why people would think it's intimidating to get into the wedding um, filmmaking space. So for those that are wondering, like, hey, weddings sound cool and all, but, like, I'm just scared to ruin, to not get that shot and not get the first kiss because I'm worried about just not being ready for it. Like, how would you how would you uh, tell someone, like, hey, bro, you got this? Yeah. Well, first of all, like, let's say I, I don't recommend anybody who is new to filmmaking in general to just jump into weddings. I do think you have to have well, a Jordan. I just bought a self, uh, bought myself a 4K 60 camera for three thousand dollars. So now I'm a pro, and that's great. Go learn how to use your camera inside and out. Like, go learn the fundamentals of fil filmmaking, lighting, audio, all that stuff before you try to jump into weddings. Because that's the thing. A lot of people do try to jump into it before they're ready, and then that's when they're all stressed. They put out products that aren't good. Um, you know, I don't think that that's a good area to practice yeah definitely not to experiment either yeah and i do recommend people get into like second shooting first you know get into second shooting find some shooters that you could help out with and by doing that seeing what they do seeing what kind of kit they run you're going to be learning yourself and it's like on the job training mm -hmm. you know so i think once you have that good base of general filmmaking like composition lighting all that stuff and you're comfortable with your gear, you know how to use it, you have backup equipment also, then you can get into weddings and you know, you'll know you have a good base. Right. And uh, for those that are wondering as far as like finances goes, like wedding filmmakers could definitely make a killing off this, right? You, you can if you're busy, yeah. Which I mean, you know, I, I stay pretty busy, thank God. And uh, even as an associate shooter too, like imagine like if you actually booked your weddings, but like you're living pretty, pretty damn comfortable with just just associate shooting for the day. Yeah. And it's it's nice. You got to be comfortable giving up your weekends, which some people aren't, you know? Huge sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice. But to me, ultimately, like, I'll shoot every weekend if I get, you know, my, my weekdays free and I can book my other projects or focus on, like, the projects I do have to edit. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, like, you actually filmed the wedding on your birthday, right, recently? Shoot on my birthday, the day after my birthday. My fiance's birthday was yesterday. And we're here. That's why I, I remember when I asked you, like, yo, if you, are you sure you want to come do this wedding with me? I get it. It's the wifey. Like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. They're like, nah, let's run it. Yeah, let's do it, man. Says, uh, you got to get it while it's hot, you know, because wedding is seasonal. And during December, it's going to kind of slow down. We're going to the holidays. So you got to gotta account for that. But, yeah. As of right now, things are pretty good for you. Pretty good. And, um. Uh, while we're here, uh, as far as equipment goes, let's talk a little bit about gear, man. What is it that you're rocking in 2023, going to 2024? What is your main wedding kit looking like? Yeah, so last year I, I went back to the dark side. I switched over to the Sonys, and um, I picked up the FX3 and the A7 IV. 
And, dude, those things have been just workhorses, man. I haven't had really any issues, uh, minus my wobbly screen on my FX3. But they're just solid, dude. You can basically shoot in the dark. Um, I'm running, like, the whole Tamron Trio. So I have everything from 20 to 180, F2.8, and then a few primes. And uh, it's pretty good, man. And what are we using for audio and, like, sticks and, like, do you, using gimbals or anything like that? Yeah, so uh, right now I have a DJI SC2. Going to be upgrading that soon. Audio, um, I'm loving those Zoom, the Zoom F2. So I have the F2s, which is 32-bit flow audio, which, like, back in the day, we didn't have all these tools. So now things like capturing audio, which used to be scary, you know, it's so easy because you have 32-bit flow audio. You don't even really have to set levels. For people that are wondering, what is two, uh, what is 32-bit flow? Yeah, so 32-bit flow audio is essentially like raw audio. Um, you can't really peak it. It's very hard to peak. And then when you handle it in post-production, you have tons of flexibility and range for processing and editing it. So it's almost like it's hard to make a mistake with 32-bit flow audio. As long as you hit record, you're good. Yeah, I've been in situations where you forget to hit the record and it's like, oh, yeah. this is awkward. Dude, and that's user error. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so I've seen you like super very busy just doing wedding filmmaking um do you ever get like burnt out from doing the same thing over and over and over again i don't really get burnt out from doing the same thing over and over again it's more so i get burnt out from the traveling because a lot of it you know I, i'm southern california i'm san diego based but a lot of stuff i do book is in la palm springs uh you know we're in Camarillo right now. That was a two and a half hour drive on my end in Oceanside, let alone you. You came from deep in San Diego, which is even further for you. Yeah, so the traveling does get to you. That, uh, especially because in San Diego, most of the venues are North County, so they're all about an hour away from me. You know, you drive an hour and then an hour on the way back. That's two hours of driving. You do that three times a weekend, two times a weekend. It's not driving. Yeah, totally. And especially like when you're packing all your gear. Like I saw you today. Or yes, last night when uh, you came to my place, you had a few diff few bags, and it's a lot to carry for one man. Lots to carry. I'm assuming you have a cart, right? Because I didn't see you with the cart today, obviously. But yeah, usually I bring a cart. Um, but yeah, lots to carry, lots to charge. You know, it's like you get home, you automatically go to the charging station, you start charging, and that way you're ready to go for the next day or your next shoot. Mm -hmm. um, so that part, but the actual shooting itself is pretty, pretty chill. Yeah. That's dope. Uh, have you ever been in scenarios where you're, since you're mostly an associate shooter, when you work with someone, uh, I mean, you're obviously, do you, well, let me take this back. Do you usually do a one-man band or do you usually have like a partner with you, like a second shooter? So it depends. Um, I do shoot solo. It's not preferred. I definitely like to have an extra set of hands because then I feel like you're going to get a better product. You know, as a one-man band, you can only be in one place at one time. And so there's going to be things that, you're going to miss. And uh, your client or whoever's contracting you, they have to understand that as a one-man band, you're not going to be able to capture everything, you know? There might be things going on right after ceremony that I miss because I'm collecting audio or mm -hmm. because uh, I'm setting up for reception because you do have to set up your lights, your audio, all that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, ultimately, I, I do like to have a second most of the time. And when you're working with a second shooter, are do you get to pinpoint who you want to work with or is like there's already someone already there by default and you just kind of have to figure it out once you guys are there together? Uh, it depends. So I shoot for a, diff a few different studios and some studios will contract their own seconds or, you know, their own leads. 
and you don't really have a say in who you're working with. But a lot of like the photographers that I get contracted by or the studios that I get contracted by now, I do have say in the seconds that I book. Yeah, because I think it's pretty vital to have that chemistry with a second shooter. Uh, this will be, I think, technically our second wedding together, third wedding possibly, mm -hmm. uh, you and I. Um, so we clearly get along and uh, we could work together. But like it's when you work with someone that you barely know, you kind of have to let it let put the ground rules like, hey, this is what I usually do. This is what we usually do. Let's try to figure out and work together kind of thing. Yeah. And like at this point, I have a few seconds that I've been hiring for for quite a while now. And I know that they're solid. They're going to give me the shots that I need. But when you're working with somebody new, it's like you kind of, you know, have to trust and hope for the best and that they're going to do their thing. Right. Yeah. Um, have you ever been in scenarios where, well, not just with the second videographer, but you also have to obviously work with the photographer too, since you guys are definitely a duo. Um, have you ever been in situations where the photographer that possibly hired you or you just meet at the wedding day and they're just not chill or not as uh, communicative with the videography team? Oh, yeah, dude. I've had a few of those to where it's like, man... My least favorite, and I might get flamed for this one, but my least favorite photographers to shoot with are the 35 millimeter photographers. And they usually are also shooting film too. So if when I see a photographer is going to be on a 35 millimeter lens most of the day, I know it's going to be a long day because they're going to be the ones that are going to be in the middle during the ceremony, just hogging up the whole aisle, or they're going to be just in the way trying to shoot, you know? You got to learn how to use your zoom, use your 70 to 200, use your 85, because you can't, it's not even comfortable for the couple. Dude, I see uh, photographers specifically um, that are up in people's grills, man, like during the ceremony, like taken away from the moment. Like I understand you got hired for something to document a special moment. You want to get the perfect image for them. But at the same time, like I try to be aware of my surroundings. Like I don't want to be in people's way. So when I shoot, I try not to ever walk through the aisle unless it's just the first kiss mm -hmm. so at that point it's kind of pretty much over but like when people are floating around in people's way it's like dude that is so cringe to me yeah you know you're you're supposed to be there to document the day but you're not supposed to be a part of the day you know i love that i love that you said that it's supposed to be great to work with but easy to forget so when you're making the whole when you're creating a distraction and getting in people's way, you got to also think like there's people that have traveled, you know, miles to see their, their across the country sometimes Yeah, to see their loved ones get married. And now if you're blocking their, their view and everything like that, now it's just not, it's not cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've seen that many times. And I always love to ask when I, first of all, when I go to a wedding, which we'll do today, and I've already communicated with the photographer today, but I like to show up, introduce myself. Hey, what is it that we're rocking? We could have some sort of like, uh, we're breaking the ice in a way because we're talking about gear so we can kind of nerd out together. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I used to ask, well, what are your main focal lengths? And when I know it's like, oh, an 85 or like a 24 to 70, I'm like, all right, it should be a, a decent day for the most part because they have zooms and it not, they're not necessarily going to be in the way. But kind of like what you said, when I see someone with a either a 24 or a 35 or even just a 50, it's like, that's all you got? Like, mm -hmm. damn, you will be in the way. You're going to be in the way. It's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, I don't want photographers to flame us down. <laughs> I do want to get a wedding photographer here one day to get their perspective of things because as, as videographers, I have been, I've come across where photographers are just simply in the way. It's like, bro, like the last wedding I just edited a couple days ago, their second shooter was literally just in the perfect in the perfect moment. And she should have not been there to begin with. And yeah. it's just 
such a great special moment and I couldn't really eye her out of it because yeah. it was taking too much uh, frames. But it, it have been situations where they're just and simply in the way, man. That's the thing is like photographers, especially now with this whole new Photoshop AI stuff, they can take you out of their shot easy. Just select you. We're not quite there with video yet. But video's not there yet. So if I have a photographer in the back of an important shot, there's really nothing I could do about it, you know? And I think it just comes down to people having to either have more awareness of, you know, if I, am I standing in front of a camera? Am I in the shot? Or I have to be more considerate. Because there are some that, like, a lot of, there, there's some photographers that have just ego, and it goes both ways. There's some videographers that have ego also, and they just think that they're the most important ones. So it just, it comes down to being considerate, man. Yeah, totally. Um, as far as we touched upon connections and the couple of productions that you were working with, how did you step your foot in the door? Because I know you did mention Facebook, but did you go out of your way to like message them like, hey, by the way, I'm a wedding filmmaker based out of Southern California. If you ever need a second shooter, I'm here. Reach out. Yeah. So um, so I had a wedding reel and I basically would either, you know, see Facebook posts like, hey, seeking a shooter for this day. And then I go send them my reel. And the way I, I do it is I'll send a reel and I'll also send a gear list so that they can see my gear. When you see my gear list, you know, okay, this guy is legit. He's legit. Um, Especially if you're wearing Sony. Yeah. <laughs> and so that really was how it was, just having a good reel and then reaching out to either posts I see or introducing myself to other people I see in the community that tend to book a lot, you know? So I love that. You actually went out of your way to reach out. You're not the cool guy that's like, come to me. Yeah, the nah, dope dude. work. Hey, you cannot depend on people to bring you food. Like, if you want to eat, you got to go find your food. And thankfully, you know, after working with people for a few years, they do come to you. But in the beginning, they're not going to just go to some random guy. Unless you're, you know, posting a, a lot on social yeah. media and you have a name for yourself already. Most of the time, you're going to have to go seek your your clients. Right. One thing... Uh, one gripe I have when it comes to the wedding filmmaking or just the weddings in general is that, uh, and of course I'm obviously biased cause I'm a filmmaker and videographer, but like photographers always, uh, prioritize photos mm -hmm. and then whatever scraps on their budget, they try to finally find a videographer with the leftover uh, budget. Yeah. Do you, do you well, yeah, couples, with? yeah, couples, they prioritize for photo always. And really like people don't understand how much goes into video we need way more equipment. We need, you know, audio. We have multiple camera bodies. A photographer, they might have two camera bodies, but we might have three or four. You know, we got to have We have tripods. four plus drones plus audio for this specific wedding today. Plus lighting. Right. Plus gimbals. Yeah. So our equipment is way more, and our editing process is a lot harder also. You know, I, I shoot photo as well. When it comes so you got that perspective because I don't want to sound too biased. Yeah. Like, obviously, I agree with you, but the fact they actually do photos as well, it's a good thing to balance this argument. Yeah. So I've shot like I, I've shot wedding photo. I shoot like studio headshots. I shoot a lot of photo as well. Way easier. Everything from shooting, the gear needed, and post-production, way easier. That's so funny because... Yeah, I, I the reason why I think uh, photographers are more prioritized because they've been popping since day one like literally since like the old times like yeah. photographs you know before motion picture was even a thing so it makes sense why 
they are prioritized. Like even for my wedding, we prioritize a photographer over a wedding videographer, and I'm a filmmaker myself. Yeah. Um, because that's what most brides want. They want the photos and stuff, which makes sense. And I think wedding filmmaking will definitely. I mean, it's catching up, and like we're in fast pace right now to potentially be neck and neck, if not surpass them, mm-hmm. with like the helps of TikTok and Instagram reels and shorts. People love that eye candy content. Again, there's the word content. Um, so I think eventually videographers will be in the top of the list when it comes to booking stuff for their weddings. Dude, so that's, that's interesting. Um, I think so. Photo, I think, has been prioritized more because a lot of people, you know, you're going to watch your wedding film maybe a few times. Let's say you watch it five times and then you might not watch it for a few years after that. You know, that's what I've heard a lot of times. People are like, oh, yeah, like I didn't really watch my wedding film after the first few times. They might watch it every few years after that. Whereas with their wedding photos, they're going to hang those up in the house or screens. And I have my wedding photos on the on the wall and stuff. So it's one of those where you're going to see it more daily. You might have your screensaver, like all that stuff, your Christmas cards, like I, so I see why it's prioritized, but right now we're also noticing a shift in the whole wedding space with video because there's a lot of couples who don't necessarily want like a 30 minute doc or like a highlight. A lot of couples are wanting reels now. And so it's micro content, micro content. So it's kind of changing the space to where, um, like in the Facebook groups, for example, a lot of people are actually like having slow years now. They're not booking as much as they used to because there's also a content creator that's entering the space. So content creators are basically like these people. They show up usually with their iPhone. And a, and a phone gimbal. And a phone I've gimbal. I've seen that. And they'll take all these you know, videos and then either they'll airdrop them at the end of the night. And now the bride has hundreds of video clips throughout the day. And they don't have to rely on shitty iPhone footage from their guests because they don't know how to use a a phone, you know, respectfully. Yeah. And so now this bride has hundreds of clips instantly, whereas like their ve- their wedding cinematographer might take months to edit a video for them. Three months for me. Yeah. Or some of these content creators are also creating the reels and they're staying up to date with like the trending top, uh, trending reels and all that. Trending audio, all that good stuff, transitions. And now the bride has multiple posts that she can post from her wedding. So like that, the content creator is kind of changing the space. How do you feel about that as a as a true cinematographer and a uh, traditionalist? I I'm a little biased. I you know as a traditionalist, I think that we definitely should take priority. And then when you have another person like the content creator, now you're sharing time with another person, so that already takes away from the day. And also, uh, I think that. Uh, it's just the whole quick content thing. I think people just want that that fast turnaround time. And it's you're getting it fast, but it's not going to be as good. You know? Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. But as a business individual, it would be smart to have someone under your umbrella that specializes in iPhone content creation with their iPhone and their phone gimbal. And just because I've seen that when I when I've been I mean, I've even seen photographers. I remember this photographer, he, uh, she, she brought her husband 
to the wedding mm-hmm. as a BTS consecrator for her. Yeah. And I'm like, I always wonder, because I always see like wedding stuff, like wedding photos. And I'm like, dude, how do they get this footage? Like, do they actually bring someone with them mm-hmm. for the freaking six to eight hour days to film them through BTS? Yeah. But it it it's worth the investment because it's freaking, they're blowing up on social media and now they're getting flown out around the country, around the world to film these weddings because they want to be part of that experience. Yep. Yeah, so, so I can't be mad at that hustle, man. You can't be mad at it, and that's a, definitely a service that I'm I'm adding as well. Like I'm going to contract a, a content creator under me, and have them provide that that service, and also that BTS, like you mentioned, man, it's good to have. Yeah, super good. Uh, I always prioritize BTS on stories like heavy because you want to keep top of mind, and we spoke about this last night. But try to keep top of mind with clients and whatnot. Um, but as long as you know who is your target audience. But, yeah, this whole space is so fascinating to me because I always say it's the uncharted territories, man. We don't know what, where it's going. Yeah. And especially with the whole content creation space, it's so foreign. It's so new. But people want that fast satisfaction of content. Yeah. The other thing is those content creators are typically, from what I've seen, cheaper than getting, like, wedding, you know. Oh, easy. They have to be cheaper. I mean, I imagine it being, like, a quarter, a half cheaper at least of a, of a typical wedding um, package. And right now, like, especially with the state of the economy, a lot of people are kind of scared to spend or they're just... Are they, man? Because this wedding we're filming, they have 14 grand of flowers, which is insane to me. Yeah, there, there's definitely still people out there doing it. I've shot some big ones lately, but I see on the other end where people are cutting corners and people like doing more backyard weddings and... I've definitely seen over the last two years a change in in how people are, are going about their weddings. You know, a lot of people are doing more DIY. A lot of people are doing, um, instead of getting like a, a bridal suite for prep or like a hotel room for prep, they'll do it at their own house. Or So I've noticed little things where people are trying to save money where they can. Makes sense. I mean, weddings is just an expensive it's expensive. I man. almost said investment, but it's not an is it an investment? I don't think so. I don't think it's an <laughs> the way the way you view weddings or whatever. Um, but uh, Jordan, um, I know you also said like you also have photographers hire you over and over again. Like mm-hmm. any tips and how to keep that standard high to have those photographers rehire you multiple times because if you're getting hired more than twice by the same people, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. And so this is, uh, we kind of chimed in on this yesterday where it's, it's about having solid work, but also being a pleasure to work with because you can have great work, but if you're awkward or you're not social or you're not considerate, you're getting the photographer's way, they're not going to want to work with you. If you're not, you know, cool with the couple or the people you're working with, or you just, you don't have any good social skills, it also, it makes the day weird. You have to be cool so that you can get good reactions on camera. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and speaks, I mean, you've been, how many weddings have you done this year? Um, yeah, it's probably like in the sixties. Yeah. I would say I, I average between like six to eight a month where we're in November. Let's say that would be like 65, 66. That's like almost every weekend day. Yeah. And I, that is, that is a sacrifice. Yeah. So like I told you yesterday, I I've been shooting every weekend since July 4th first so this every weekend every weekend and this technically would have been your off weekend until i hit you up yeah <laughs> dude that is insane man um tell me uh about your 
most wedding horror story that you could think of? Do people ask me that so often? And really, I don't have like anything. Come on, crazy. man. You've never dealt with anything that's at least. I think I've just been lucky to where, you know, I've had some late starts, uh, people showing up late. Let's be but, under control, though. Like, Yeah. But I see like other people in Facebook groups or in Reddit stories where they have crazy experiences where like fights happen or cakes fall. Like I had one cake fall and nobody knew who dropped the cake. And they kind of try to stand it up and make it look like it wasn't dropped. But it was obviously like a collapsed cake. But I don't have anything like good or juicy. But or no, but even like when it comes to hear like a car format or you, or you didn't hit the record button accidentally or audio got messed up. Anything like that? Yeah. So I, I do have one back in the day when I was first getting into it. Um, I was solo shooting this wedding and I forgot to hit record on my recorder. And so what I did was after the, the ceremony, I got the couple, and I pulled them into a, a quiet room, and I was like, hey, guys, can you reread your vows? The uh, There was a waterfall by. I was like, can you reread your vows? There was a waterfall by, and I just want to make sure that I have a clear... Good cover-up. Yeah, a clear uh, <laughs> copy of your, your vows. And so they read their vows in there, and what I did was, in the edit, I cut to portions of them talking at the ceremony, but then I would cut away and then I would insert the clean vows. And it was, the cuts were quick enough to where you couldn't even tell that the audio was. Only someone like you that's like psychoanalyzing it would notice it. Yeah. yeah. But that was probably like the scrappiest thing I've had to do. That's not bad. That's actually not a best. I mean, the recording part, obviously you learned your lesson. You probably never yeah, I've never mistake ever again. again. Yeah. yeah. And I've been in situations like that before too. Um, any anything with like working with DJs because I know you have to connect your audio stuff to them like you know, they've never given you crap or anything like that. They no, can think of. thankfully all the DJs I work with are usually like super helpful. Yeah, um, I've had a few where I noticed another trend is that couples are doing live music, so a lot of them won't have DJs right now, or like the last year I've noticed a lot of them not having DJs. They just have like a band, and sometimes the band you know won't really have like a dedicated like DJ or MC and they're just like, oh, figure it out. You can plug into here. But other than that, yeah, good. I can only think of one instance where I shot a wedding at this venue and the DJ was part of the actual venue. And right off the jump, I always try to introduce myself, be nice and like, hey, what's going on? Let's make some conversation just to have some report. And I'm like, hey, is there any way I could connect my recorder? I have a quarter or an XLR or whatever you need. Just let me know. And he's like, nah, uh, she's pretty much trying to act dumb and trying to shish me away. Like, yeah. So he was like, I then I, I was able to do the science. I'm like, oh, he's part of the venue. They specifically, I remember the couple said that they were pushing for their own videography team from the venue. Mm -hmm. And they chose to go with me. So there might be a little bit of saltiness right there. Yeah. And so... It, I wasn't able to connect my recording. I asked multiple people, hey, is there any way I could connect this? And they just act like they didn't know what the hell I was talking about or just kind of like uh, figure it out kind of thing. Yeah. But luckily I did figure it out. I mean, luckily I always have these mics. I always use them for backup purposes. And uh, that's why backup is always, it's so important for me for audio is always back up your audio as far as like use a recorder or use lavalier mics and have internal recording as well. Yep. Yeah, the internal recording like I mentioned, do just the tools that we have now make the job so much easier. Whereas you can even put like the little Sony mics on the handheld microphone, put a sleeve on it, and now that's a backup audio. Right, I've done that before too. Yeah, because um, there's certain venues where you 
don't have access to a soundboard. You know, a lot of like old Catholic churches. Um, I've done some that are like on ranches, and you have to find other ways to get audio. You know, lavs, microphone. Uh, sometimes worst case even, scenario, I've also put the recorder next to a speaker, just lower it as low as possible, just to get something. You know. Yep. Yeah, I'll do that. Another trick is you get your light stand and you screw your recorder on there, and then you can like boom it up, like put it by a, a mic also. That's smart. Yeah, that's smart. So there's ways. Sometimes you got to get scrappy. Yeah. And, and that's what filmmaking is, though. You always have to figure things out. It's always a problem-solving game, yeah. um, especially with weddings. With It's so, I don't know, I almost said fast-paced because it's fast-paced, but it's also slow at the same time. Because mm-hmm. there are times where there's like a, a, like a gap of three hours of downtime, two hours of downtime in between ceremony and the actual uh, reception. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, weddings have been a, a cool stepping stone for me as far as like, getting seriously into videography i started with the 6300 i remember and uh that just elevated my filmmaking i think because you got to like be on it yeah you got to be really aware and fast and think fast and problem solve on the fly because things never happen accordingly and especially in a wedding things always get backed up like you said you started like an hour an hour pushed for the ceremony um just got to learn how to adapt yeah yeah, you definitely got to be flexible. You got to be on your toes, you know, because things might get changed. Photographer might pull a couple uh, without informing you, and now you got to go. That's so annoying when that happens. Yeah, that one when you see, when you're like trying to eat or when you look over and you see the photographer sneaking out. That's like, come on, man. You know? Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> trash. Uh, going back to the horror story, the only thing I could think of, and I told you last night, um, is where is I didn't get fed, mm-hmm. and I was a, I, I was also being associate shooter as well. And uh, we're supposed to get fed, and then no one in the team, like the the quote unquote leads, they didn't really push for the food. I'm like, bro, I'm freaking starving. Like we're six hours in. Like yeah. I haven't eaten since like breakfast. And uh, I eventually asked the server, like, hey, do we get our vendor meals? We're supposed to eat first, but then it got pushed to like last for some reason. And like, oh, we ran out of food. Mm-hmm. So I let the team know. I'm like, yo, you know, there's no more food for us, right? Mm-hmm. And they just kept like, oh, whatever. Like, bro, what? Like, yeah. And so, and then you formatted the card like that. Uh. <laughs> I accidentally formatted the card. Yeah. Oops. So that was like the worst experience ever. Um, I don't think I've worked with those people ever since. But like, yeah, that was pretty bad. That, that's the only thing. So, I if you're a wedding filmmaker, I think a good tip is when you work on your contract and you work with the coordinator, make sure you eat first. Now, I'm not saying eat before the couple, obviously, but like eat with like right after the bridal party. Um, there, and we're not saying this because, Hey, we have rights kind of thing. Like, no, it's more of a logistic thing. Like if we eat first before the guests eat, we could eat chow down 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And then from there, we're able to set up for toasts because toasts are usually towards like the middle, towards the tail end of a dinner. And so we need to eat first so we could be ready for and prep for the toasts. That's literally the only reason. It's not because we feel like we should eat first before everyone because we're cool and almighty. No, not at all. It's just more of a logistics thing. Yeah, and like logistically, if we're eating at the same time as the couple, then the couple's going to finish. We're going to finish. Now we could take them out for like a sunset shoot. Now we have that time or they, to they, set up. Or they like to go through each table and do their photos with a group of, you know. Yeah, so they, it's they like, do their uh, table touches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, that's the one thing. Uh, do you have any... Five tips for filmmaking. We'll make uh, filmmaking uh, wedding videographers. Uh, five tips is oh, one: always have a backup. So definitely like 
never shoot with one camera body. You never know that camera can always fail. Um, things can happen. I've had people knock over equipment. Uh, so that's one. Always have a backup of everything. Backup audio, backup lighting, all that good stuff. Two is... Um, well, while we're at it with that, I would say insure your gear because if someone drops your camera, that's on you, buddy. Yeah, that's another one. Insure your equipment. Um, two is, I would say communicate. You know, communicate with your couple, communicate with your photographer, communicate with your coordinator. The more you can communicate, I go as far as like saying over-communicate, the more things you guys will all be on the same page the day of. You know, if you can find out all the details and everything, you're not then you're not scrambling trying to fix it the day of uh, three would be just have a good attitude, like be a pleasure to work with. Um, you got to understand like this is, it's not video production. You're not going to be able to set up and stage every shot the way you want it. You have to be able to, you know, be flexible and get shots that as long as you get the shot, you know, um, I would say, yeah, be, be a pleasure to work with. Be flexible. Uh, four would be back up your, your back up your SD cards. You know your media. I, yeah, back up your media. I say a uh, dual record. When possible, definitely always like have a, a backup. You know, recording. Um, sometimes I'll even run the Ninja into an SSD and then back up that way. Uh, five is like I said. What's gotten me a lot of business has been networking. So when you post, it's good to like tag all the people that were involved. And that way you get referrals from like other people, from makeup artists, from DJs, from photographers. And you're giving them content to post also, you know? Right. I know DJs that love when you tag them in their in the in your weddings. Because they never get they never get content ever. Because they never get content. And then they're happy to repost and then now they might refer you out. And you have that connection already forever. Yeah, it's always smart to tag everyone, every vendor. Uh, what I like to do is have a list of all the vendors, whether it's their email and their social media. And then whenever you do drop your film or photos, if you're a photographer, definitely tag everyone because they're everyone. Even if you're not following each other, they know who you are. They see your photos, they see your video, and then they could refer you to other people. And yeah. it's especially... Definitely tag the coordinator, though, for sure, for sure. And also, obviously, the couple, uh, because the couple is going to share it. And so her network of people that are her friends that are also going to get married as well, they want that same look or whatever. And then, boom, they see your name on the tag. So more business for you. Oh, and another one, almost most importantly, is be punctual. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, that's you, a given, but yeah. you'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like, I say you should get there at least an hour before. At least. That way you can set up. You don't have to rush. You can clear your mind, look at the timeline, all that stuff. If you're going out of town, I even advise to get there maybe two hours early, as early as possible. Or like know? us, we showed up a night before. Night before. Because <laughs> we had a smooth morning. We had breakfast. Now we're doing a podcast. So we had, we're, we're pretty much relaxed until game time in a few hours. Yeah. Whereas like if we were driving up here this morning, we would have been in the rain. We would have been stressing out. Traffic, uh, maybe accidents, like things could happen. Yeah. So definitely always plan to be just early. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man, and helping me with this wedding today. Um, if you guys want to connect with Jordan, his links will be in the description. Feel free to tap in. If you're in the Southern California area and you're looking for a wedding filmmaker, definitely hit him up for sure. He's your go-to guy. And uh, anything else? 
Nah, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's kill it today, dude. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Well, take it easy, guys. Peace. Later.